Listener Production. When you have your first baby, you take on an important new identity as a parent. So what happens to the other roles in your life? Can you still be a loving partner, a productive worker, an individual? We can easily lose our sense of self when we become a parent because we're no longer the centre of our own world. There's someone who shares that centre now. This is episode 11 of our special series, Parenting the Parent with Dr. Rebecca Ray, where we explore what it means to be a parent, the choices we make, the ways that we cope, and how we can turn old patterns into new actions. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt and Rebecca Ray. I'm not only a mum, I'm a friend, a sister, a wife and a daughter. I have interests and things I like to do beyond being a parent. But when you first become a parent, it can erase everything you were before. At least that's what it felt like for me. So how do we find a balance between who we were and who we are now? Dr. Rebecca Ray is a clinical psychologist, author and mum. She's here to help us raise ourselves as parents so that we can raise our children better. Hi, Beck. How are you? Hi, Chef. Did you ever feel a loss of identity when you became a mum? Yeah, it was subtle, but it was definitely there. There was parts of becoming a mum that I really loved. I kind of fell into, you know, gazing at my baby. <laughs> I did a lot of baby gazing. Um, and I loved, you know, cuddles and the smell of his scalp and things like oh, that. The best smell. Um, really the best smell. But at the same time... Not too long after Bennett was born, I was on a book deadline. So what happened was I couldn't quite find my place in how do I be the mother of a baby who's being breastfed and refuses to take a bottle? So I was literally everything to him. I fed him when he wanted to be fed. So he he ran my schedule, certainly for the first, well, actually for a long time. I fed, I breastfed him until he was 20 months. But during that time, I slid out of it's just me and I just need to deal with my own needs into am I allowed to have big feelings about the fact that I'm on a book deadline and I'm being woken up seven times a night? Like, how do I do this? There was a time where I woke up, and I I mean that metaphorically, you know, like almost existentially. (laughs) I woke up going, what am I now? And where are the parts of me supposed to go? And is there actually enough to go around? Mm. What is it about the experience of becoming a parent that changes our sense of identity? As humans, we largely circle around the sun, which is ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) The sun of our own universe is us. We are the centre of everything. And so it should be, really, because... Being human is hard and it takes a lot to meet one human's needs, let alone meet another human's needs that is small and has no capacity to do that for themselves. So what happens when it comes to becoming a parent and stepping into that identity is that you are no longer the centre of your own world and yet you still have needs. So you can't just turn your own needs off to then be able to go and service this little baby and make sure that they're okay you're there with all the same needs as what you had previously, perhaps even more, especially if your back hurt like mine did when I was breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. And everything just aches because this little baby doesn't want to be put down. 
And yet that's what matters because they make a lot more noise if their needs aren't met than you do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I know we've we've spoken about expectations a lot in mm. this series, but I know that I had the expectation that this baby needed me for everything and therefore I needed to supply that. Mm. And it was that element of of always needing to be there mm. that subsumed everything else that mm. meant I you know, I, I still don't know how to articulate why I found it so hard to leave the house when my babies were really small. But that's how it was. The reality was that if they were feeding or sleeping, then that's what our existence became. Mm. Given I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. but my expectations that I would know what I was doing was so high, it meant that I was completely consumed by that role and that connection with my child. I found it very hard, as I mentioned, to leave the house, mm. um, not because I was afraid, but yeah. just because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I didn't think to say, hey, mom, can you come over and take my baby for a walk so yeah. that I can get some time on my own? Yeah. I felt it was my job to keep this baby alive. Mm. And therefore that's what I became. Was there also, can I just... Can we just dive into that just a little bit? Was there part of you that was a bit of a control freak around that? Because for me, there was. I didn't necessarily want to ask anyone else to step in and do those things for me because if it was done by me, then I knew it was done right. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. It was, no, it wasn't about no one else being able to do it. I just felt like it was my responsibility. Yeah. And that I couldn't expect anyone else to take on that role. Yeah. I mean, of, of course, I could expect it of my partner. It was his child as well. But particularly, I think, when a mother is breastfeeding and a child doesn't take the bottle, as mine didn't either, then you are literally physically keeping that baby alive. And if they're demand feeding, which is what I did yeah. and what you did, yeah. Um, then you have to be there to supply the food. Yeah. And so um, I know there are different ways of doing it. And I think when you talk about becoming a parent, this idea of matrescence, which I hadn't heard about when I had my babies, and matrescence is the idea that it's like adolescence, it's a new period you go through your life and your body changes, your hormones change, your brain changes. And it's an evolution of life. I did not look at my experience like that. Mm. I just went, okay, I'm of a certain age. I'm now married. We bought a small unit. The next step is to have kids. And that's just what you do. Mm. And I'm an adult now, so I should be able to deal with it. Mm. So I didn't understand that this was a, this was a transition yeah. to a different part of me, to a different person that I would be. And so I think because I didn't have that awareness, I kind of drowned in that sense of I am a mother and that is what I am and this is what I do now. Yeah. I think that speaks a lot to our expectations of what's going to happen once this little person enters the world. We're conditioned to have certain expectations thanks to the media, thanks to social 
and cultural patterning around what we see in the generations before us, what we want to do differently, what our peers are doing who have done it just prior to us doing it. And if you expect it to be a certain way, then it can be incredibly shocking when it's not that way, or it can be incredibly limiting if it is that way and your expectations are tying you to it only being that way. Mm, It doesn't allow a lot of freedom to explore who you are outside of that role. And I know that other parents didn't do it that way. I know that there are parents who had children and continued to travel the world or parents who had children and went straight back to work. I think if your experience is you have a baby and then it is a majority of your focus for a period of time, that's when your identity becomes quite solidified in that role as parent. Absolutely. So I guess for many mums, when it comes to that first period of their baby's life, that it is so intense and so transformational in a way you become someone different to who you were, that finding your way back to the things that you really connect with as an individual Mm. can be a bit challenging for some. Yeah. And one of those places can revolve around sexuality and our identity as a sexual being. I know that many mums would possibly be laughing right now. If they have young children, they're like, what sex? I do not want to be touched by anyone at the end of the day. I am touched out. That's a big one for mainly mothers who stay at home, who we know are the majority of the the carers who stay home. Yeah. But it can be challenging for both partners. How do we manage that? I think there's a whole series of things that go into our alteration as a sexual being when it comes to parenting in that kids don't necessarily sleep in their own bed and they don't necessarily sleep through the night. And those things can be very disruptive to an otherwise uninterrupted sexual schedule that existed (laughs) prior to becoming a parent. And so I think, again, it comes back to acknowledging that we have needs as human beings and those needs don't disappear as soon as we become a parent. But it does mean that we're traversing different seasons of life after we become a parent. And certain needs might not necessarily be as prioritized as other needs when we're talking about little beings. Now, I'm not saying give up your sex life. That's not healthy, um, especially if sex is a huge priority for you. But I am saying that how your needs change is okay. We make some assumptions about what other people are doing in their lives. And whether those are assumptions about their sex lives or assumptions just about how they're managing life in general, it can actually be disheartening because we usually make an assumption that they're doing better than we are. I can promise you from both sides of the couch that they are not. (laughs) Everyone has their stuff that they're carrying and everyone is doing the best that they can with what they have. Now, it's really important to not then apply random assumptions to your own experience and say, I'm less than because this is not looking the way I expected it it would or I think it should look. Be careful with the shoulds there. At this time of life, when your children are small, life is hectic, things are changing, you may not be as communicative with your partner as you would like to be. 
I'm imagining that having a conversation about your sexual expectations might not be on your top priority, but I'm assuming you would say you still need to communicate. One, if you don't want to be touched and if you're just not up for it, or two, if you're really missing that kind of intimacy. You know, I'll always say, I'll always mention communication. Yes. So yes, you're right. Can you do it somehow without talking? Super predictable. (laughs) Is there a telepathic way of saying to your partner, don't touch me now? And you and everyone have asked me, is there a way I can set a boundary without saying it? Is there a way that I can talk about my needs without talking about them? No. Unfortunately not, but there are ways that you can acknowledge them that is gentle and calm and doesn't need to result in um, your partner being shamed or you feeling less than. The way we approach these things is often with an expectation that it's going to lead to conflict, but it doesn't have to because sometimes all it's about is opening up a space between you and your partner from a place of vulnerability where you say, hey, I'm kind of struggling with this. Can we talk about this together? Um, when we've each got a moment rather than saying, do you know that the last time we had sex was six months ago and that's not okay? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that has been said. (laughs) Possibly in that tone. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I mean, the other thing is we talk about sexual identity, but I also feel like our sense of who we are as a romantic partner changes, even Mm. if you don't have the sex part there, because... The way I explain it is before you have a baby or before Daniel and I had a baby, when we walked in the room, we locked eyes. I looked for him. He looked for me. Mm -hmm. When we had our daughter, naturally for us, we would walk into the room. We would both look for her. Yeah. So instead of coming to each other to kiss each other first, we would beeline for her and smother her with kisses and cuddles, et cetera. And then, of course the role of parent takes over and Mm -hmm. you're feeding and you're bathing and you're doing all those things. And so who you are as a romantic partner really changes. Yeah. And um, there can be a loss in that. Yeah. And there can also be an alteration of how you see each other in that, Um, like a, a grieving process that I was once this for you and now you look at her the way you used to look at me. I mean, obviously not in a sexual way, but there's that 100% of attention that used to be focused on you. Mm. And I think it's really important to be able to acknowledge that these things aren't necessarily bad things. They're just changes that we need to adjust to. Humans are very biologically limited in that it takes us 20 years to raise a child. To independence. Are you sure it's 20? I feel it might like be it's longer. 30 now. I feel it might be 30. <laughs> but if we look at our reproductive rate, which is actually really low, and then how long it takes us to get a child to independence compared to other species, if, come on. I mean, we may have been able to send a man to the moon. We may be <laughs> able to explore the depths of the ocean. But look at us. We are so limited. So there is a reason why your child gets all of your attention because it takes that much of you and your resources to be able to get your child to where it needs to be in order to continue survival. That's inevitably going to change things between you and your partner. But that doesn't mean there's less love. It just means the love looks different. Yeah, and I would say that. As you mentioned, that's not necessarily a bad thing because I know 
that many women will say, or and men, vice versa, that when you see the person you love caring for and loving your child, that only makes you love them more. Yeah, I know. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's something really special. And it's not a, you don't feel a jealousy about that. It's almost an appreciation and an increase of your love for them. And it's also a depth in their identity that you now get to share. Mm. You get to see this side of them and them evolve in that role, which is incredibly special. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that many of us are becoming parents later in life, Mm -hmm. which can mean that we are having small children and our parents needing us at the same time. Mm. We know that women in particular take on caring roles, Mm. looking after other people. When you have a small baby, it can be really, really challenging to look after other people, even though that might be what they expect of you. So let's say you're a daughter and Mm -hmm. you need to care for your parents. How do you make a boundary in that way given... We care for these people because we love them. So yeah. just because we have a baby doesn't mean we don't love our parents any less, but we know that our baby needs us more perhaps, or we just don't have the capacity. How do you help others accept this new identity that you're you're really focused on this little child now? I love that you just put it this way because where I was going to go when I answered this question was so often we think that the boundaries with someone else when we're talking about this type of situation in terms of providing them with assistance or support or care that they might need. But usually the boundary that you need to begin with is actually with you. And that internal boundary is about understanding that if there are multiple people in your life right now that have high needs, then you can be what you can be for them, but not more. And this is where we often get stuck because We decide as the responsible ones, as the organized ones, as the ones that often fall into the role of carer, that we should be 100% in every single role that we do. But your pie of resources doesn't automatically grow as the demands on you do. So it's about accepting that you have the same level of energy, you have the same time, you have the same mental energy and love and attention to offer, but more people to give it to now. So then it might be about accepting that you can give, you know, 50% of yourself here and then 50% of yourself here or 100% of yourself here for this short amount of time and then 100% of yourself, of yourself over here for this amount of time, but not all of yourself to everyone 100% of the time. It doesn't work that way. So how do we come to peace with that if we define ourselves yeah. as the carer in our family? Coming to peace, and I love that term because I always think that uh, when we're considering ourselves and looking in the mirror about how we're living, it's amazing if we can do so and have a sense of inner peace Part of adopting new identities and new roles in our life is being able to find our peace again. And that means that if you're the carer in your family, you can still be that. But understand that the way you'll do that will look different because you now have children in the mix as well. I've always said that friendships are the stuff of life. Mm. 
I feel women and their friendships can be extraordinarily powerful and they get us through some of the toughest parts of our lives. Having a child can really shift where you're at with your friends. If you're having a baby and your friend isn't having a baby, you can feel like you are a completely different person Mm. and you're not meeting on a level anymore. Mm. Your friend might feel that you are completely consumed by this child and you've you're neglecting your friendship and that can be really tough. You can feel like, well, why don't they understand? I don't have time and I'd like to see them, but it's impossible right now. How can we manage friendships and who they see us as and who we see ourselves as at this particular time when we have such limited resources to attend to those really important relationships? Again, I think it's about being open about the vulnerability that you're experiencing in that. I've been in both of those situations. My friends, my two best friends had children a decade before I did. And at the time with one of them in particular, I I went through a grief process. I felt like I lost her. She just wasn't available. And when I did see her, all she spoke about was her kids. And I can say this now because I'm a parent. I did not want to hear it. <laughs> I, I would do my best to be able to nod and smile and go, that's so cute. And then I'd think, can we talk about maybe something other than children? And she didn't have anything else at that time because she was off work for a few years. And so I had to make space for that conversation if I wanted to see her because there was literally nothing else available So that was a grief process that happened within me. And then I was the friend, once I had Bennett, who had a conversation with her saying, I'm so sorry I'm not more present in our friendship. And this is where I want you to go, is that you can have a conversation around this. You can have a conversation that sounds like, I really want us to be able to go and eat Mexican food. But right now, I can't leave this baby because he needs my boobs. And her response was, I would expect you to be nowhere else. Now, some friends will be like previous friend me and think, (laughs) oh, my goodness, I just really want you and not your tag along kid. You know, I just want you back. And I think it's about understanding that in all the seasons of our life, that's a transition for the people around us as well. Make space for each other. Go gently. We are trying so hard. We're trying to be the friends that we want to be. We're trying to be the parents that we want to be. And we won't always get it right. And sometimes we'll inadvertently hurt people. I I was deeply hurt when I lost my friend. I haven't lost her now. Things change and you come back together. But in that period, I did my best to stop and acknowledge my own grief, give myself compassion around that, and then also acknowledge her that she was doing the best that she could at that time as well. A big one for women in particular is who we are as a professional. Mm. So if we have a career, is there a conscious way we can return to the workforce without feeling that fracture between our identity as a mother Mm. and our identity as a professional? I think you can do that if you don't fracture it yourself. So if you try to fracture it and try to have home life sitting over here and kids sitting over here and work sitting over here, then you're probably going to set yourself up for some problems when all of them seem to demand something of you at once. And 
There's time resources and energy resources that need to come from you simultaneously. So rather than trying to look at those things as separate, instead, I'd look at yourself as a whole being with a set of personal resources. So imagine your giving tanks and in your giving tanks is all the fuel that you've got to give out on a daily basis. And that fuel is affected by how well you've slept, what you've eaten today, the mood the kids were in when you drop them off at school or daycare and the deadline that you're on at work. And when we then look at that together, if your giving tanks are a bit lower, you need to go more gently on yourself. If your giving tanks are full, then you can perhaps ask a little more of yourself. But don't separate it out and then hope that the world operates that way as well. Because Sometimes it can demand that of you, but I don't think it's possible. If you work in a workplace that says that you need to, oh, what's that saying? Um, There's a saying. Yeah, because Annabelle Crabb says it in her book, The Wife Drought, that we're expected to work like we don't have children and to parent like we don't work. Yes, exactly. That, that's that. paraphrasing. Exactly that. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Annabelle. Chev got it fairly right, I think, or as I understand it. And what that then influences us to try to do is exactly that, to give everything to work, like there's not little kids that have sickness and, you know, transitional phases that are difficult. And then we need to also parent them like we don't have emails coming in that are urgent. It can be difficult to feel like an individual with your own wants and needs that are valid when you're connected to and needed by others, how can we maintain a sense of individual identity after we have kids? Or is it even that phrase, individual identity, unnecessary? We are still, as you mentioned previously, we are a whole being with lots of different connections and needs and desires. And we're not necessarily, you can't separate yourself from being a parent once you're a parent. So what does it look like to be an individual? That's a really interesting question. I think what it looks like is what you want it to look like. The key is understanding that you can create that. You can create the shape of you now. And I always lean on what I do for myself, I actually do for my child. Because whatever I'm doing to meet my own needs means that I'm a better parent by the time I arrive at parenting him in the next situation that we're connecting. And I think that's really important because many parents, particularly mums, can feel selfish when they're taking time out for themselves or when they're exploring something that is just for them and has nothing to do with their children. But every time you are feeding another direction of your hopes and dreams and exploring something that's important to you as part of your human experience rather than just your role as a parent you're also filling up what you have to offer your child. Beck, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Chef. That was episode 11 in our series, Parenting the Parent with Dr. Rebecca Ray. To catch up on all our episodes, follow Feed, Play, Love on the Listener app. The next episode is our final in this series of Parenting the Parent. We're going to be looking at when we make mistakes and how we can recover. See you then. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. 
If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.